At the start of April this year, Chris Bowne moved into one of the hottest seats in Jersey's civil service as he took up the role of Acting Chief Officer for Health and Community Services. As the top-ranked officer in the department, Mr Bowne has a number of important matters in his intray. These topics include an attempt to achieve a turnaround in the department following allegations of bullying, lengthy waiting lists in the general hospital and ongoing issues around bed blocking as medically fit patients are unable to be discharged because they have no onward care arrangements. He is also charged with working alongside partners in government to deliver the island's new hospital project. In this episode of Bailiwick Podcasts, I, Tom Innes, sit down to talk to the experienced administrator about about the first third of his 12-month contract at Health and find out how he intends to make a positive difference over the remainder of his time in Jersey. Good morning, uh, Chris Bowne, uh, Chief Officer, Health and Community Services. Uh, thanks very much for coming in to talk to us. Pleasure. Um, uh, j- just starting off, I, I um, realised that you're f- around four months into your role as interim. You, you spoke very positively and honestly when you um, started the role. It's clearly a, a challenge that you were up for and looking to make a difference. You're around a third of the way into your um, your fixed term contract. How are you? How are you feeling now? How how has uh, how has the challenge been once you've actually been working on it for these months? Well, as you say, I'm four months in. Um, I've had the privilege to meet many colleagues, both in clinical and non-clinical teams throughout the service, whether it's in the hospital or in our mental health services or in community services, and. Uh, one thing I really do want to say is to um, impress uh, to, to people how committed those people are to providing the very best of health services and community services and indeed social uh, care to the people of Jersey. I've been repeatedly impressed with that commitment wherever I've been. Um, and I think there is a recognition across HCS that things do need to improve, um, that the Hugo Maskey-Taylor report um, is something that we've focused on, um, particularly in strengthening our clinical governance across HCS. Um, we've put a significant priority on cultural change, and I think I've been quoted in the media already about my uh, zero tolerance to bullying and indeed discrimination, and that continues. Um, we are obviously at the early stages of making cultural change. You know, cultural change is not something that happens in 12 months, particularly if uh, a culture has been embedded in an organisation maybe for decades. Um, but we continue to see early shoots of um, green shoots of improvement. Uh, we have started to strengthen the clinical uh, governance, uh, improving, for example, our processes of incident reporting and how we learn from incidents to ensure that things don't happen again um, and uh, that we can build on uh, the improvements that we're making. Uh, We are starting to focus very much on recruitment and retention. Recruitment is a real challenge, uh, as I know it is across Jersey, but um, we're very much focused on uh, increasing the numbers of nurses and doctors and allied health professionals. Um, 
And of course, we have a big financial challenge that I think I've spoken about before that we uh, need to plan and prepare for. So um, we are starting to see, I think, uh, some, or I am, and the change team that are working with me, some, some early improvements, but there's clearly a long way to, to go. Um, but also to, to say that I also see areas of extremely good practice, um, excellent uh, care that's been provided to our patients, and we only need to sort of look back at the then picker um, survey of what patients felt about the care that they received in HCS, which I think was probably last year. And to be quite honest, if I was a, a chief executive in the National Health Service, I would give my left arm to have a report like that. It was outstanding. Um, so uh, I'm very pleased to see that, and I can see why uh, the patients. Uh, have said that, having spent four months working with colleagues across across the service. Great, and uh, thank you. Quite a, quite a few bits to, um, to 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 pick out of that. Um, certainly, the, the you you talked about some some green shoots and uh, early signs, and while making the point that this isn't a a quick exercise, is there early evidence that? Um, uh, some of the negative approaches, some of the aspects, the bullying, things like that, are, are going to be um, wound down, eradicated, eliminated. Um, what, what, what progress there? Yes, the first step, of course, is people's willingness to speak up um, when bullied or discriminated against in, in any way. Uh, we have our Freedom to Speak Up Guardian, who's now in place, um, and uh, people are using uh, uh, her. Uh, I, I also meet on a regular basis on a one-to-one uh, with staff that want to speak to me directly about their experiences of working in HCS um, and I've met many colleagues um, who have had poor experiences um, and uh, then uh, are able to look at how that happened and what we need to do to address that. So the first stage is speaking up um, so we can see where those issues are and tackle them head on and face on. Um, we know um, that there is discrimination that takes place, racial discrimination, um, not just within the organisation but by um, patients and, and visitors. That That is an unacceptable situation from our colleagues um, from overseas um, who we uh, depend on that provide high quality care to, to residents. And again, that is something that the senior leadership team at HCS has discussed um, and uh, again needs to be addressed head on no point pretending that these things don't exist otherwise we'll never deal with them so um, I think we are starting to see that but we know that cultural tech change will take as I said time to to achieve it doesn't happen overnight and looking at um, your um, senior leadership team the, 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 the people who you're looking to deliver your message down the uh, uh, down the line, because clearly you, you, you've got thousands of uh, people uh, um, uh, in the pyramid beneath uh, beneath your position. Do, do you think that are there? Are there uh, do you get a sense uh, fairly on in terms of in when you're talking to people that uh, this is a person who can whose attitudes can change and they can become the sort of leader that I want and I need from my department and uh, other cases where you think uh, this is this is too deep rooted this is someone who's 
been here for decades who who is too entrenched in their position and and um i i, I can't have on my on my ship yeah i think in most cases as with any organization i've worked in most people want to come to work and do a really good job and uh, i see no difference here in jersey um i think people can change um and some as you say can't i think one of the things that I've been looking for in dealing with this is evidence. Um, and uh, there is much anecdotal um, comment about things. But when you're dealing with things professionally, you need proper evidence. Um, and if there's evidence that there is bullying, then that obviously needs to be tackled. Um, but we uh, often just anecdotal evidence is not enough to pursue these, these cases. But th- there is a mix. But at say most of the people I meet are keen to see change happening and want to be part of that. Um, and I think when you look at, um, and it's obviously often the focus of the media, politicians and the public, understandably, as it is in the UK and many other jurisdictions, about how many managers, um, that comes up a, a lot. And that, one of the things I was told when I arrived, that there were too many managers in HCS. and. Uh, so I've undertaken a, a review, um, which I took to the state's employment board, um, you know, recognising the context of 3,000 people, um, over £250 million turnover um, uh, in healthcare, and the range of things that leaders have to do. It's not just about providing acute community and mental health services, but importantly, we have to serve the democratic process of Jersey. Um, and ensuring that we're held accountable. We have to commission services, many tens of millions of pounds worth of services for mental health placements, tertiary care in the UK, um, and we have to ensure that uh, Jersey people get value for money and the biggest uh, bang for your buck in those uh, those services. But the the proportion, the ratio of, of managers... Um, to uh, the total staff, about 1.7%. Um, most of our leadership positions are actually clinicians, whether they be doctors, nurses, or allied health professions, but those that I think that are often the focus of media and public attention um, are, is about 1.7% of our total workforce. So it is, it is relatively small, and certainly myself and the change team um, would be concerned that um, with the major change programme that we're facing, that we've talked about before, that we actually are undermanaged as regards to being able to drive that through successfully. And clearly those are further discussions I'll need to have with um, with the team and with government and with the health minister about how we ensure that the momentum that um, has been put in place with the change team uh, continues, because we are looking... You know, at a programme of transformation that is certainly longer than 12 months. Sure. And will, will you be, um, I, I'm sure you've got pl- plenty on your plate for this week and this month and the, the immediate future, but it, it is the, the, there also has to be an eye on, on, on the future and, and um, uh, at s- s- some stage in not, not too far into 2024, there, there, there'll be a, a new permanent uh, appointee. Um, what is is that something that other people are worrying about while you get on with the day job, or are you, are you very involved in that? Um, I spend a lot of time doing the day job, and uh, you know, my, my my view is that I need to ensure that we've got a program of change in place 
and that foundation is in place that anyone else that comes in can pick that up and run with it um, and that we maintain that momentum uh, going forward. Um, uh, certainly, I think that the overall programme will continue for some years. Um, it shouldn't be dependent on individuals. We should put in place a programme that can be uh, delivered by whoever's in place. Um, and I, I say most of my time is now spent focusing on uh, that, that change. But we know we need to look into the future. We need to look at health funding um, for Jersey. It's a real challenge that the financial recovery programme, um, which I'm sure you'll hear more about um, uh, over the coming months, is a, a big challenge, not just for HCS, but I believe for, for Jersey as a whole about how it funds health services. Um, so those strategic issues um, and often those political issues um, are things that we do need to tackle. Um, but as I say, the development of our clinical services is another really important area. I want to see improvements in maternity care. I want to see a reduction in our waiting lists. So whilst waiting lists were increasing pre-pandemic, clearly post-pandemic we've seen a significant increase in our waiting lists and including those for diagnostics we have unacceptably long waits in MRI and in ultrasound for example where there's a real focus now on how we might um, make those reductions um, so waiting list reduction is important um, uh, a whole range of issues that we just need to keep um, the momentum going to ensure that Jersey uh, and, uh, and Islanders get the, the very best and the best health care that they deserve. And I, I imagine it's difficult to put a date on it, but it, it, we, you're, um, we're, we're a, a year into the new, um, the new government and, and rather more recently, um, uh, uh, four months into your own stint. It, uh, can people look forward to, to seeing the, the waiting lists start to, to come down this year? Is that, is that realistic, for example? Yeah, I think we'll probably see the biggest changes in the beginning of next year. Um, we're, we're looking at um, um, a number of different options because of the, the limited capacity we have, either physical or with workforce, that um, we bring workforce onto the island to help us reduce waiting lists or indeed um, offer opportunities for islanders to be uh, operated on, for example, in Southampton and other mm -hmm. places. Um, so we've been given additional resources by the government to do that. Um, so we're now in the process of procuring those services. So I think the real... Um, the real impact we'll see at the beginning of next year. As regards to the overall programme, from my experience and, and that of the change team, you know, to get us to where we will all feel very pleased and satisfied we have a service that islanders deserve. It's a, it's a three, four-year uh, transformation programme. Now, of course, we'll see improvements on that, um, on that uh, pathway towards that three, four-year position, but it, it is not something that's going to change in... 12 months, the, the, the situation is such that it does require sustained effort and that's n no different to other um, health systems in other jurisdictions that have the same challenges as we do. And you, you were originally um, engaged here as part of the, the change team before taking up your current role in April. Is, is the, 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 what change uh, or what focus now is there for that 
change team and, and uh, do they have a, a wider remit is it the original there were originally some quite serious allegations that that uh, caused that to be set up by our former chief executive um it, where uh, is that process got to now yeah the change team have remained focused on the things that they need to improve so our um, medical professor our chief nurse are focusing obviously on clinical governance and clinical improvement our od and hr um, expert has been focusing on uh, cultural change and, and recruitment and the need to improve recruitment. Uh, our financial um, recovery expert is working closely with me and, and others on, and indeed the Treasury, on establishing a, a three-year financial recovery programme. So the, the, the focus has remained as was. Obviously things um, emerge as you're, you're here and the, the different things uh, come up that we need to pick up and, and, and address. But the, the, the initial objectives remain sound. And you took, uh, or some of the strands of that, um, HR is one example that, that um, in, uh, over the past decade has, there's been a, a, a shift primarily from the department to a, a centralised HR function. It is, um, and now some suggestions that it may come back in the other direction. What, what, what's your um, view on that and, and whether it's best handled within the department or, or centrally? It's a controversial question, but um, I've always felt since I arrived that uh, HCS needs to have a much greater control over its recruitment pipeline. Um, and, and maybe it's because I've been used to that as a chief executive having, in the, in the UK, for example, having that direct responsibility. Um, but, but equally, you have to remember that we're operating in a, a global uh, health market where there is significant shortage um, and often sitting, talking about recruitment. You know, we could be in South Africa, China, Belgium, the United States, um, New Zealand, and we'd be having the same conversations because it, the, the global shortage in healthcare uh, professionals is something that we're just ex experiencing on the, the island. So, um, you know, this isn't just an issue of where HR sits. This is a, a significant challenge for all health uh, communities in all jurisdictions. You know, there are shortages of sonographers, for example, um, which are the people that uh, operate the ultrasound system. And um, there's problems in the UK recruiting them, there's problems all over the world recruiting these people. So it's not unique to, to Jersey. So I think we, we often look at our, our vacancy rate, which is high, um, but equally it is no higher than many... Um, other organisations in other jurisdictions and it's it's often driven by just a general shortage of professionals. Sure. Um, it, the, the, the challenges exist here and now for um, staffing a, a, a single site hospital. Um, you can probably see where I'm, um, I'm, yeah. I'm going on this. We're, we're, we're moving towards a, a multiple um, site option for, for healthcare. Uh, it, that seems to a lot of people to create additional challenges. How worried are you by that? I would say it does create additional challenges, but equally not having a new hospital at all would equally create difficult challenges. And I think we are where we are. Um, we need to move forward. We need to plan for where there's a need to uh, duplicate. And that's not in every service, but there'll be certain areas where we need to do that. And uh, we need the appropriate healthcare or recruitment strategy and plan to ensure that we can staff 
um, those areas. You know, to me, wherever I work, it's never the money, it's always the people. Um, and getting hold of people is going to be the challenge. But I think, you know, we, we're able to sell the fact that we're going to have a lovely new facility, both as an acute hospital and ambulatory, um, that we should start um, very much attracting professionals to the island, um, not just saying it's a lovely place to live, which of course it is. And we spend quite a lot of time, I think, showing the beaches and how great they are. And that's perfect and lovely and people do come. We actually have to focus as well on what it means to be a health professional in Jersey. What are the opportunities for training, development, um, working in multidisciplinary teams, um, that we are a, an organisation that is going places, that we want to see significant improvement, so we're outstanding in the way that we provide healthcare. So I think we have a number of opportunities with the new facilities to be able to use that to attract um, staff to, to Jersey. And, I, and despite the challenges, I've always said that the thing that made me accept taking on the interim chief officer role was just the opportunities that exist for um, improvement in in Jersey. You know, we are a a, a small community. You know, we um, have uh, opportunities to improve how we integrate healthcare between primary and secondary care and community care and mental health and social care. And, and in some ways, if we can't do it in Jersey, you can't do it anywhere. So, to me, it's a very exciting opportunity. Um, but it's not without its challenges, as we all know. And looking at, um, at some of those and perhaps getting into some of the, um, uh, the more operational uh, matters, they're, they're, they're things you, you, you have a, a high level of, but I'm sure you, there are certain key topics that, 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 that come up. Uh, you spoke to um, the scrutiny panel a couple of months ago about um, the, the new uh, electronic patient record scheme, um, which um, had gone incredibly well, I think, with the, the words that you use. Um, it, feedback we've had from inside the hospital is is that it's it's taking doctors and nurses two, three times as long to to, to do um, yeah. the work that they need to do. Is it, 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 are you not getting that sort of feedback? Because it seems quite at odds with yeah, the, what you're no, saying. It, it does, and, and I suppose incredibly well is relative compared to many other uh, EPR electronic patient record implementations it is, has gone incredibly well there are always um, issues um, when a new system is introduced remember this is the start of a four-year um, rollout of uh, new technology in uh, HCS um, it is certainly um, strengthening our governance and, and data safety and patient confidentiality uh, we're far less dependent on paper than we were. And you're right, it is you know, taking, um, in some cases, uh, clinicians and others a little bit longer to, to operate. And I think that's the balance between you know, the strengthening of our, our data safety, the strengthening of our governance um, does sometimes require that to happen. That's not unusual. Um, but I think you know, on balance, you know, this is system is far better than the system that we had before and I do accept and there, there are issues and we, we try to address each one as they they come along. Um, we have a, a, a clinical uh, chief information officer who is a consultant, um, a medical consultant um, who is uh, working with us and working with the team that has implemented it. Um, so you're right, there are there are challenges with it but we're in what month number 
two or three, I think, of its initial launch date. So it's early, early days, and one would expect a whole range of things that would emerge that we need to sort out. But yes, no, I totally accept that um, you know, this isn't smooth, but I don't think I was ever expecting it to be smooth because I've never experienced one that has. But in relative terms, I think we've made significant progress. That's not to say that there aren't things that we need to to address. And you, you've talked about the the, the, um, the, the, the sphere of the, the health department and the, the, the thousands of people within that fall directly under that umbrella. There are also health operations in, in Jersey that are in the, in the third sector that, that are outside of the department's immediate control, but nevertheless have a big impact. I'm t- talking about the, the, the third sector care um, for, for people when they've come out of hospital, which is... is, is Still having, as I understand it, a big impact on the uh, on the department in terms of bed blocking. You have patients in hospital who are fit to be discharged, but have have nowhere to go, and 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 that's uh, ca- causing difficulties. It, 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 can can you do anything as health and community services to work with the third sector to make things easier for them, so that they can take your patients? To to put it bluntly. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. The third sector is absolutely essential part of the, the whole patient pathway, as we would call it. And certainly, um, if you're providing an integrated health service, then you can't do that without the third sector, whether that's the hospice or a, a care home, um, or indeed without the independent sector, without the private sector. We have to all work together to uh, do this. Typically, we would have a ward's worth of patients that are probably medically fit for discharge that would be better not sitting in an acute hospital, as not where people really want to be. Um, but we are constantly working with our colleagues in, in the other sectors to see how we can improve that. Often it's to do with investment um, and in debates around uh, future investment in the third sector, in community care, um, are important important debates that will be ongoing and, and, and obviously part of the government planning process uh, to look at how we can strengthen out-of-hospital um, provision. And is it uh, at the discussion and analysis and, and looking for possible solutions stage uh, now rather than uh, having having solutions identified and being able to put them in, into practice. It's, it's another of these longer-term projects. Yeah, right? I think it, it is longer-term. There are some immediate things that I, I, I believe that the, the uh, third sector are looking at and talking to, to government about, but it, it is, we have to have something that's sustainable. Um, when you look at the longer-term issues around the numbers of beds, for example, that are being provided in the new facilities for the new development, that we're increasing the numbers of beds, recognising step-down, etc. But um, the, the solutions are never easy, and in some, in some ways, if there was an easy solution, we would have done it by now. So, um, and, and that can be also linked to recruitment, the ability to recruit healthcare assistants to work in care homes. Um, so... Uh, not an easy issue and one that is faced you know certainly by the UK but other jurisdictions as well we're not again unique um, in in having medically fit discharged patients sat there waiting to go home and say it's just not good care and um, we shouldn't be doing that and we've got to find a solution and you, you mentioned again on the, the, the new facilities and we're, um, we're, we're back onto the 
the new hospital, I, I realise it, it, it's not your responsibility or, or your department's responsibility to build a new hospital. That, that, that's, um, that's something that colleagues in other departments are directly charged with. But nevertheless, there have been a series of chief executives, both permanent and acting, who've, who've been hoping to get this project off the ground. Uh, are you driving very hard with the other departments and with the, the, the ministers, the chief minister, the, the new chief executive, when he comes into post in a month's time to, to, to try and... You, you, would you like this to be on your watch that we actually start this project rather than talk about it and delay it and what have you? Yeah, no, I, I don't think, in some ways, I don't need to push it because the, the, the push and the drive exists from the chief minister, the infrastructure minister, the health minister and, and indeed what I see the Council of Ministers to get this moving. Um, and uh, we are, I suppose, as HCS, the client to the infrastructure team. Um, so we um, are responsible for supporting the, the um, functional content of the buildings and how that's going to work. Um, but there's huge um, commitment to, to moving forward. And uh, I have to say, from what I've experienced, that I'm, I'm pretty confident, very confident actually, that we will make some progress soon. And of course the, the start will be when we start to um, demolish the vacant buildings at Overdale uh, as part of the, the first stage of the, the development. And um, we're already um, moving uh, our services from Overdale to the Enid Kennevay uh, new hospital or healthcare uh, centre. Um, and um, patients are starting to be seen there. Um, the full opening of it will be sometime during September. Um, but I've been obviously there a number of times, and it is a fantastic facility. Certainly, um, the quality of, of uh, accommodation is far better than we see in, in Overdale. It's uh, very modern, bright. Uh, the rooms are certainly... Um, the same, if not bigger, than the rooms that we have, many much bigger than the rooms that we have in Overdale. So uh, I also recognise, of course, there's concerns about its location and where it is, and I think we'll have to just see um, what happens uh, there. But I think that's a very positive step in the right direction. So I'm very confident that certainly during my watch we'll start to see the, the start of that, that, that building process. And just switching geographically to the almost to the other side of the island, I'm talking about Clinic Pinal and the project there. That's clearly going to be part of this um, uh, this project in in the longer run. How, how much of your uh, focus is is on um, the, the projects that have been happening there already and will will happen in the past? Because that's that's a, an important part of it, obviously. It, it is, and I say our, our team's focus has been on on all the developments that we're we're seeing, both sort of the the here and now, but also the the, the future. So um, the healthcare estate is important, but um, I think let's just never forget. Of course, the health care estate is. Is not the only thing that we need to to worry about and um you know i have seen in my career um some of the best internationally renowned services provided in terrible old victorian buildings uh, and i've equally seen um in other parts of the world stunningly shiny new healthcare facilities with appalling healthcare being provided from them so buildings don't solve 
the problem in that respect. Um, it goes back to the point we were talking about, we need to recruit, we need to get people in, we need to have strong clinical governance, we need to have uh, guidelines in and, and place so that we know that we're providing evidence-based care, which sort of relates back to the Hugomeski-Taylor report. Um, so the buildings are important, certainly they are, um, but on their own they don't provide a good healthcare system. No, sure. Um, one one of the um, other things that uh, we've we've had in the headlines recently, um, and again just last week, is uh, the uh, um, report into rheumatology patients and how uh, and yes. the uh, admission that that uh, it's not just rheumatology patients that, that may have been affected by um, potential misdiagnosis, and that that that, that uh, investigation is now going into different areas um which areas is that going to be heading in and and, um what stage is that investigation because it seems to be getting wider and wider and we don't yet know the the full scale of it i don't know whether you do yeah well i think i need to be absolutely clear here and i think we have tried to correct perhaps that misunderstanding um from what the minister said is that we are extending the scope of the audit but only to those patients that were seen by two doctors prior to 2002. So this isn't extended to all departments within HCS. It's extended to the practice of those individual, those two doctors. So that we need to be clear, this isn't about a widespread problem in HCS, which is extending the audit to look at the notes because the first audit indicated that that's something that would be sensible and prudent to do uh, for patients. So it is still, sti- it's it's still, um, I say, a, a, around those two individuals and not around the whole of HCS or indeed other departments in HCS. And the date you m- mentioned for uh, those uh, doctors to have seen patients who would then be within scope? That's before January 2022. Okay. That's fine. Uh, and we've... Um, so th- th- those it, it won't be as simple as saying oh it's going to move into this into this sphere or that sphere it's it's more related. But say to it is to do with the notes of patients that were seen by those two consultants, um, and it's not. Please be clear, it's not about other departments in HCS. Sure, there are um, currently um, a, a number of. Um, consultants who who are not working, they're they're um, suspended. They're still on the books. They're they're um, uh, they're being paid. And, uh, the interims are having to be, or locums are being brought in to cover their work. Uh, and and some of these situations seem to go on for for years and years. Is 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 that a frustration? Are your hands tied by HR procedures that you you'd like to? make quick change and, and, and quick decisions, but you're, you're, you're not in a position where you can do that? Well, I think obviously I can't comment on individual cases. That would be completely inappropriate. In a day. And again, um, you know, there are processes to go through, both from HR and indeed legal processes, if that's required. Uh, it's only fair and right that um, individuals that are, uh, uh, have been suspended or excluded, that they have the opportunity to put their case and there's a whole process that you go through. I would like to see 
um, the process, particularly as it relates to doctors, which tends to be much longer, and that's no different, say, than the UK, to be a lot shorter than it is, because I don't think it's in the interest of the person who's suspended and our duty of care to that individual, or indeed the organisation, or indeed financially, ultimately, that that continues um, uh, unnecessarily. But I think we have to recognise that in an in the cases, and, and typically in these cases, they are always complex. Um, they always require full and proper investigation to ensure um, fairness in independent investigation, not, not through HCS. Um, and that does take longer than perhaps many of us would desire, but we have to uh, ensure that due process is followed to get to a conclusion. And just um, uh, finally, you touched at the beginning, and it's, it's clearly something you, you're very keen to stress on the, the excellent care that uh, continues to be provided by the um, uh, staff in the, uh, the hospital and the, the um, positive results of the picker survey and, and, and other feedback that you had. Uh, th- there are long-serving members of health staff leave, leaving every year. They've done their, their, their 25, their 30, sometimes up to to 40 years service um, and uh, uh, great knowledge and um, assets are leaving the business as um, the passage of time it comes to us all. Uh, are they, um, is there a, an input of, of uh, new talent who, who, who are going to take up the, the, the role or is, is, there, um, is there gradually a a, a drain of this experience out that may leave the department vulnerable. Yeah, I, I guess generally, if you look at the numbers, the sort of output and input sort of balances itself, but it it keeps the the uh, the um, vacancy rate sort of remains the same. But of course, you know, when you lose an experienced person you know, after thirty years, um, it's unlikely that you're going to get someone from somewhere else who's got that thirty years experience. So, uh, training and and sort of as people say growing our own is important. Um, but as I say, there, there are excellent um, people that obviously retire and want to enjoy themselves at the end of a very long and dedicated career. Um, so we do need, it goes back to the recruitment. In fact, this morning um, I met with a, a number of staff that had been um, put forward by their colleagues, people that have done outstanding work and that we should um, celebrate the, the work that they've done. And uh, I met with the, the, those colleagues this morning you know, we, we were hearing how from an admin person in the breast screening unit, how we've reduced post-COVID the backlog that we've seen in women waiting for, for, for scans. Um, and, and these sorts of things are happening everywhere. And of course, we don't often hear about them in the media, do we? And um, I, I often feel that staff in, in healthcare, colleagues in healthcare, tend not to come forward with the things that they're doing because they see that it's just the sort of BA business as usual. This is what I do on a day job. But to you, me and, and others, when you look at what they do, you think, wow, that's amazing. Um, so they often underplay. And I think that's why it's always, when I talk to communication colleagues, very difficult. People don't come forward with these things. The, these fantastic things they're doing because they just see it as normal. They don't see it as requiring sort of praise. And, uh, we, you know, I see that in the last four months. Um, I've seen that in bucket loads um, where people are doing a, a, an incredibly good job. Now, that's not to underplay the fact that we still have our challenges because you and I know that we do. But um, it's, 
it's not everywhere and uh, and I would like to again sort of finish I suppose by praising the staff that I've met over the last four months and indeed the staff I'll meet um, uh, as I go forward. Brilliant. Well, um, Chris, it's been very good of you to come in and talk us through it. I've had the impression sometimes that nothing's happening in government in August. Well, here, here we are in the middle of August. Um, we're, we're, um, we're here working and you, you've obviously got to, uh, the focus on that. Uh, um, and hopefully in another four months or so's time, we could get a, a, an update from you then as to how things are going. It's, uh, it's always interesting to, to hear from the top what, uh, what the situation is. So thank you for coming in. Thank you. Thank you to Chris Brown for coming in to speak to us. We hope that he'll come back and update us via another podcast later in the year. Don't forget to visit bailiwickexpress.com or pick up a copy of your local JEP.